Hi, this is Renee Christensen, author of Training Them Wisely, Discipling Kids, and this is the Training Them Wisely, Discipling Kids podcast. If you haven't already, I hope that you will head over to Amazon and check out my new book. I'm very excited today to get to interview Glenn Ransom. Glenn's been challenging families to get back to the Bible and family devotions since 1984. Having made over 8,000 annual presentations, God gave Glenn many ideas on how to solve the many challenges and excuses individuals face regarding the effective Bible and family devotions in their home. Glenn and Kathy are blessed with six homeschool kids and three grands and live on their family farm in Northeast Tennessee. So, leader. Yes, leading by example. Your kids are copying you. Our sentence there was, I take responsibility and lead by example. It seems like we've got a lot of um, victim thinking or will this happen to me? Okay, I've had some really tough, challenging things happen to me. And I've chosen not to let them define me. I've chose to let scripture take care of those things. I've chose to forgive people that have done some horrible things um, because we, we, you know, we pray that God will forgive us, but read on down past the Lord's prayer where it talks about what happens if you choose not to forgive somebody. And in um, Dr. Neil Anderson's book, the bondage breaker, I'm pretty sure it's there where he talks about the largest superhighway, like four lane superhighway that we make ourselves that just gives the enemy um, direct access. He can drive a hundred miles an hour right into the center of your life is unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, the devil is trying to get that root of bitterness or that root of unforgiveness there. And it's just like, uh, no, no, no. That's like drinking poison thinking it's going to damage the other person. No, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. The Bible's really clear, but I take responsibility. We, with the interns, I mean, they're college age, they're 17 to maybe 27 master's degrees or PhD, but they're in that 17 to 27 range. And we're just like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't accept any excuses. Like, well, this happened and, and he did that and he did that. And we're like, Okay, there's this principle we refer to as the control principle, and it's real simple. Control the things that you can control. Now, you need to understand, there are very few things in life (laughs) that you can control. And we would teach the students what those, I mean, we're talking like you don't need one hand on one, the fingers on one hand to count them. But you can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. No. Um, you can set the right example. You can teach. You can train. You can pray. <laughs> you can pray over them. You can have a multitude of people praying for them and 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 a village around them to try to help influence them correctly. But I I've, I've been watching children for quite a while, and there's this point at which they ha- they make their own decision. They do, and they may be sitting down because um, you told him to sit down. It's like the little Dennis and Menace cartoon where he's sitting in the corner and the little thing above his head says, I may be sitting down, but in my mind, I'm I standing know. up. I remember and that one, yes. It, it's that I believe when we're trying to train or disciple 
anyone, whether it's our child, anyone, anywhere, we're after the heart. Yeah. And and you can you can be the boss and you can be authoritative and you can demand and that that's my tendency. That's the way I'm kind of wired. But if their heart's not in it, um, yeah, you may that's, you may get yeah. compliance. Um, but it has direct- to be a relationship. Yeah, disciple. That's that's my big thing. When I write my book, is discipleship has to be a loving relationship. Well, our director of training for years and years and years has said rules without relationship create rebellion. Yes. And there's been things like that, those phrases that are just, I mean, honestly, they're brainwashed into my head and see if they're brainwashing this, but well, you know, well, I remember one, I think it was a college professor came to our training one time and he was saying we were brainwashing our students. And when he sat down with our director of training, he said, <laughs> honestly, he said, I haven't never met a college student that's brain didn't need some washing. Um, <laughs> I, I want my brain to be washed. Mm-hmm. I, I know left up to my own devices. Oh, I can mess things up pretty quick. And I want a network of mentors and coaches. I want people around me that will disagree. Doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. And I know I have to make the final decision because I'm going to be standing before God, but we're living in a time where everybody's, I mean, going back to, to searching, but it's like search, get an answer, boom. And there's no thinking. And it's like, I think it's really important that when the challenges come or the problems come, that we focus on teaching them how to address that challenge. And on leaders, I take responsibility and lead by example. That lead by example, um, there's a million ways to say it. Monkey, Monkey see, monkey do. But there's so many parents that would tell their kids not to drink and drive, but come home with red eyes from the party. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't match. You're saying one thing. Um, or be kind with your words, something that simple, you know, be kind uh, to others and yet you're not being kind with your words. Yeah. I, I can't remember who said it, but the statement was, um, well, I'm having another senior moment. Uh, it's it's on that same train of um oh the statement was i can't hear what you're saying what you're doing is thundering so loudly that i cannot hear what you're saying yes and so many of us i've been guilty we're talking 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 but we're not walking it out we're like okay be real and you can go down financially, you can go down spiritually, you can go down, well, the Bible's really important and you should read your Bible. And, but dad's not reading his Bible. Let's be honest. Exactly. I mean, the majority of mom's not reading her Bible. The kids aren't seeing mom or dad blocked off alone with God. You should pray. Okay. I mean, yes. The American home to today. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, it's, it's living out. It's being the same person wherever you are. Yes. It's not that you put on a different mask for work and a different mask for church and a different mask for certain friends and a different mask for your children at home. Children 
and there's some really well-trained adults, but children are like walking little lie detectors. Like you may not think so, and, and people may underestimate them, but God has given children this ability. They, I mean, it's, it's just really, really simple. You say, well, it's not a big deal, or they weren't paying attention, or they didn't catch that. And I think uh, you're wrong. Yes. Yes. They, they yes. did. They I, did I teach catch it. fifth graders and you ask for um prayer requests on a Sunday morning. It's amazing what you find out. <laughs> and yeah. not only do you have to make sure that it's not a mask, but one mistake that I made, I always spend at least an hour. <laughs> I was going to say asking in... that question to fifth graders. That's your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I always do. I have always had my quiet time and spent at least an hour a day with God. But even whenever I was spending hours a day with God, as soon as my children woke up, I would stop and then I would go take care of them. Then I would have a quiet time at night as well. And one morning my kids said, why do you care so much that we have a quiet time when you never do? So even though I was at that point in my life spending about four hours a day with God, because I just, they that, didn't was, see it. that was the time I had, they never saw it. And so I continued so when at that mor very morning, I said, oh, I've been awake. So I let them come out to me where they would see me. And I continued my quiet time for 20 minutes. And they started saying, oh, what time did you get up this morning, mom? And then I was able to tell them the time that I've been spending with God. Not that everybody needs to spend four hours. I'm not saying that at that point in my life, I was able to, and it was important to me. So I did. And I'm the type of person that I need an hour a day. At least I just do. It's like around 55 minutes. I feel like I'm really getting in the groove. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just slow to get started, but that's the way that I am. So even though I was doing it, they didn't see me doing it. So I wasn't being an example to them. So I started making sure my quiet time was done and I just did it out loud with them so they could see what a quiet time was like and talking to them about it. And for prayer, I started praying out loud as I would walk down the hallway, as I was doing different things, I made I prayed so that they would actually hear me praying too and know that I was. So, was well, then it's unmis then it's unmistakable, and you also have that's a really good idea. Um, I I think you and I may have had this conversation ways back, but there was a point. In, I pretty much always had some type of devotional in my life, but years ago I was challenged and decided I was going to get up at a set time and have a set place and. After maybe six months, I was like, this is not enough. And so I moved it back another half an hour early in the morning um, where it would have like about an hour. And it, it's not about the time, but I do believe in a principle that time wins. And whoever or whatever is getting the most time, and I've had plenty of times in my life where I was working like crazy, trying to produce like crazy. And um, I was neglecting, like when I used to be on the road, Kathy was always faithful to be reading the Bible to the children at night, to be singing hymns, to be praying with them. Um, and that was their bedtime ritual. But a lot of times I wasn't there. And a lot of times when I was there, I'd come in, I'd maybe pray with the kids, and then I'd go back and hit the phones. I'd go back to work. And that was an example that I um, would like to change, but I can't um, at this point. And you know, I'm not 
I'm not picking on the dad or the mom. There's single moms out there that are working two and three jobs, mm -hmm. trying to make ends meet. And, but I, I do believe that we're prioritizing. Most people could find an hour a day if they just knocked off social media. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that they're going to get a whole lot more spiritually, physically, mentally, successfully out of life if they were pushing off and using that time instead of letting it be gobbled up by um even 30 minutes a day you know gaming even or 30 whatever, minutes yeah, a day can but, help and i had some health issues the past couple of years and so my time has been, definitely been shortened just because i needed more sleep but um and i i yeah, that's been sad, but thankfully I'm getting much stronger and I've been able to, to get back into it, but just, yeah, just choosing to take that time that you can and to look at the time that you're using and how you're using it makes a difference too. Well, we're just, have bought the lie, the deception that we're so busy and all this stuff. And it's just like, okay, is all that stuff's going to matter a year from now, five, 10 years from now? A lot of it is not. Yeah. And... Well, and just being overwhelmed with life. So chapter five in my book, I actually go through and talk about how to be able to have a quiet time in every season of life. Just easy ways. Whenever I was nursing a baby, I couldn't use a Bible. I had to use my phone because I didn't have a free hand and they would rip the pages out. <laughs> so you know, I mean, <laughs> just different things that you can do at different times in your life to make sure that you can still do it. All right. So speaking of that, Favorite scripture right now. I don't ask people what their favorite scripture overall is because I think it can change. But right now, what's your favorite scripture? I looked it up to make sure I had the right reference. and I, I didn't write it down, but I'm I'm pretty sure the reference is Luke chapter one and verse 37. Um, and watch me not be able to quote it. it. It basically said what we talked about earlier. Nothing is impossible with God. And conversation with this godly widow lady that's here very close to our home um and, and there's just a lot of things going on right now that are tough and pretty impossible and um i may not have the solution i may not have the answers but you know some mornings when I start my prayer time with the Lord's prayer and I'm like, our father, I pause and I'm like, our father, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the father, you know, the one who Daniel called on, the one who David called on, the one who, you know, Ruth, Esther, and I, that's, that's, that's who my father is. That's who I'm talking to. Yes. The one who can heal the one someone. The who changes hearts, the one who heals, the one who, Yes. We had a really, really difficult situation a little bit back ago, and it definitely seemed like there was no solution whatsoever. And we stayed up, honestly, all, into the next morning praying. There were about seven of us praying about it because there was no human solution to the situation. And it was a very serious situation. And we were all completely heartbroken and crying over it. And yet the next morning, there was a solution um, and it was due to changed hearts. It was due and it was, it was God completely God because humanly there was no solution to it. And even though it was a still a very difficult situation, a solution did 
come into play. And we'd spent that time in prayer, crying together. Well, I, th I think that solution may have come because of those seven prayer warriors. Um, probably 20 years ago, I remember hearing a story in the bush where their vehicle broke down and there were lions and all kinds of predators out there. And you basically were not going to live through that situation. But they, when they came back, they described these, I don't know if it was five or seven or three, how many ever people it was, but God had placed back in the States, this missionary on their mind. And they had literally stayed up all night yes, praying. And this person out in the bush is describing these three or five, whatever it was, warriors that stood guard around their vehicle all night long. And I'm just like, yes. we believe that God can do miracles in third world countries. But honestly, I'm still struggling to this day here in the States with being influenced a lot by what I've been taught and what I've heard that these things are no longer. And I'm just like, uh, that this, and he doesn't change. God never changes. And he is right. the God who can perform miracles and he can do above and beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. He truly Amen. can. I've seen the answer of prayer so much. And every speaking of that, every time that I wake up in the middle of the night, I always ask God why he's waking me up and who he wants me to pray for. And start the praying. majority of the time he places someone on my heart the next morning, whenever I text, there's a reason. And it's, yeah, it's usually, and you can't, you can't begin to do that. There's no. no human way, no explanation for that. No, no, but there's a, there's a reason that God has always done that. And, Amen. um, and it shows how much he cares for us, you know, I mean, cause whenever I'm able to text these people and tell them that I was praying for them and they're like, oh, my husband was in the hospital with a heart attack or, oh, such and such. We, we were saying goodbye. This person all of a sudden died. I mean, it's always been things that there's no way I would have known about it. And yet God had me praying and the amount of comfort and love that they feel that God would actually take the time to wake someone up and have them pray for them. That's significant for them. And it's something that we should be doing. Yeah. I'm very don't, much. Don't think it's indigestion. In don't, don't think it's just, I'm always, I've for years I've trained myself when I wake up, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm supposed to be asleep right now, but you got me awake. And it's like, <laughs> what is it? And just start praying. Yeah. And either he's going to let me pray about what it is and I'm going to go back to sleep or it's just going to keep spiraling upwards. And I'm going to be like, uh, I'm slipping out of bed and we're getting ready to have a, a little revival meeting. Um, I, I cherish those times. Yes, me too. And the fact that he would wake you up for them. All right. So you have written Bible and tell us about Bible and stories, how families can use it why it's amazing and wonderful. I have a copy personally that we very much so enjoy using. So talk to us about it. Well, having the opportunity to be in all those homes, we saw what was working, what was not. Mm -hmm. And we heard every problem, every challenge and every excuse that had ever been given as to why we're not teaching the Bible at home, why we're not having family devotions. I think it was Dr. James Dobson said there's nothing that gives parents more guilt than the knowledge that they should be having family devotions or they should be teaching the Bible at home, but they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so we just, over a 10 year period of time, God gave me all these excuses and reasons that I had heard. Or, and sometimes I had ashamedly given, given them as a dad. 
And he started showing me strategically how to solve or how to answer every one of these challenges. Like the big one is Glenn, I'm a plumber. I'm a farmer. I'm a fill in the blank. I didn't go to Bible school. I know the Bible's got all the answers, but I can't find it. So we knew we had to be able to create something that an adult grandparent or parent or a child could use that would level the playing field. That would make it quick and easy. Mm -hmm. And at conferences, I love taking a, like a sophomore in college with the latest, greatest iPhone 27,000 and putting them up against their little brother or sister who's 10 or 12 with an old archaic book, uh, in this case, the Bible and stories. And I, I give them a challenge and I know what's going to happen. The 10 or 12 year old always wins. It may be a little nerve wracking, you know, but they always win because we created a topical index that has 599 topics, child or adult alike, if they know the alphabet, they could have never seen a Bible. It could be a man who's never touched a Bible, who knows nothing about the word of God, but wants to lead his home. We've made this resource to where adult or child alike, whether they have three PhDs from seminary or they've never touched a Bible, can immediately find answers from the word of God. Um, find was a big challenge. Second challenge, a lot of people say, well, I have trouble understanding the Bible. It's it's really hard to understand. So we know that nobody on the planet thinks in letters or words. We think, but more importantly, we remember in pictures. Yeah. And the, the way history has been passed on, the way things have been taught since the beginning of time is through oral storytelling. Jesus, I think it's in Mark, there's a verse that says, Every time Jesus spoke, he only spoke in parables. Like he never, he always asked questions. He always told stories and those stories had points to them. Our goal initially was to create, to have a story for every day of the year. So 365 stories. And I made the table of contents with the story title, the scripture references, and the page number. Because if, if you've never seen a Bible, you don't know where Ruth is. We give you the page number so child or adult like has no problem finding it quickly in one of the three volumes. The um so the table of contents allows them to to get like a bird's eye view of everything. But the understanding if you have a picture, like if I showed you, if I quoted the verse Exodus 31, 18. And I do this frequently with people that, that come by and interact with us. I'll have them, it's printed on a piece of paper. I'll, I'll, I'll hold it up and have them read it. And they read, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now, in a lot of these settings, they're homeschool conferences and they know a little bit of the Bible. And I say now, and I take the verse away from them. And I said, okay, what do you remember? What do you understand from what you read? And depending on their knowledge, they'll be like, you know, the, the tablets. And I'm like, tablets? And I hand them back the sheet and I say, show me the word tablet. Because it's not there. It says tables of testimony, tables of stone. And they're like, oh. And then I grab somebody out of the crowd. I'm like, excuse me. If I say the word tablet to you, what do you picture? And most of the time they're going to go, you know, like a, a, an iPad. Yes. A student said a tablet of paper. Um, a nurse one time said a pill a tablet. So words trigger pictures. 
and and we've got so many images in front of us that are incorrect. We've got so yes. many Bible stories, oh, Bible that, storybooks. Oh, mm, just let me are, interrupt for one second and say that drives me crazy. If there is one thing that I just truly, truly do not like at all is those preschool books that have the wrong pictures because the picture is what they're looking at and it's what they're remembering and it's making the story be incorrect. Sorry, you can continue, but yes. No, you, you and I could have, you can, you and I could have a whole nother interview on this one subject alone. Um, and I can prove it to people real easy. If I'm in a church speaking or to a group, I'll be like, okay, y'all, you know, dinosaurs and all that. What's the average size of a dinosaur? And everybody in that congregation will go, they'll look to the vaulted ceiling and they'll be like, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. And I'm like, well, actually the average size, average size of a dinosaur based on everyone they've dug up, the average size is sheep size. Mm -hmm. Now that means half of them or more are smaller than sheep size. Well, why do we believe they're so big? It's because of the pictures. It's because of Jurassic Park. It's because of the movies. If you have a dinosaur that's sheep size and it's chasing you, you just turn around with a stick and whack it or kick it and the movie's over. But that doesn't work. And so, but these images that we place in our minds make something true. Most people believe that um, God told Noah to take two of every kind of animal onto the ark. And I'm going to leave a cliffhanger there and we're not going to tell them the, the biblical answer, but the pictures are wrong. The words are wrong. What you believe is wrong. That's not what's in your Bible. Mm-hmm. And you want to teach your kids the truth. Right. And that's why it's really important what a kid's Bible is. Well, we, th- that was a, another big item. Everything out there on the market, Kathy and I have collected over hundred Bible story books in, in the last 40 years. They're all what I call kid eyes. They're all made for children. A man is not going to want to be held holding them or carrying them around because he's going to feel a little embarrassed. It looks like a kid's book. Ours doesn't look like a kid's book. It was intentionally yeah. designed for adults. A child can use it, but it was intentionally designed for adults. Yes. And what we did, and this was another God thing. I thought we were going to use artwork from the old masters because I didn't have four or $5 million. The experts said I needed four to $5 million just for the artwork. Oh, you've got, for okay, people I didn't that, bring them. that are looking at it. Here it is. You can <laughs> see it's not a kid's they, book. They, um, we wanted that classic look where a man would not feel embarrassed to hold it or an adult, um, because we knew a lot of adults out there have very little Bible knowledge. Um, but we were going to use the old masters because I didn't have four to $5 million laying around and I'm not an artist. And the first, the designer that I, um, hired, he did the story of Abraham offering his son, Isaac. And because he used the old masters, as they were going up the mountain, he changed clothes three times. His shoes changed three times. The sensor changed three times. Isaac's clothes changed three times. And I thought, we're done. We're stuck. We're hung. The project's over because I I knew the critical importance of pictures and memory mm-hmm. and understanding. And the whole goal was to help people to be able to understand, yes. but that's not enough. You got to be able to remember it. If yes. some, I mean, there's, Plenty of times where I've read something, I'm like, wow. And it's an hour later and I'm like, I mean, it's gone or it's the next day or it's next week. And it is gone. The The beauty of a story is when you tell an effective story, as the Bible does over and over and over again, the, the beginning to the end is all his story, history, 
his story. It's all about the ability to understand and remember. So God provided from the collection of what I consider to be the most comprehensive Bible artwork that was ever done by one man. His name's James Pageant. He was paid over a quarter of a million dollars from 1970 to 1974. He was great with the face. When you see Noah, you always can recognize Noah because he's got the same face. When you see David, he ages from a boy to older in life. You can always recognize David. And so anybody that acquires a set, takes home with them, copies of four to five million dollars of biblically accurate artwork which i think is amazing and, and the project i also believe helped resurrect that body of artwork that was in the originals ink uh, uh, color ink pen drawings were in a vault in ventura california this project brought them into the digital format we got permission to use them for our project and now they're in open domain all over the world being used in sunday school curriculum missionary things because oh wow to my knowledge no i have never seen to this day any more comprehensive, biblically accurate, phenomenal artwork than this set of artwork. Um, we used a little over 1,500 of the images in the Bible and stories. So got to solve the, I can't understand it or I can't remember it. So that's where the pictures and the stories come in. Um, and then I have to go there because if when we're with people, they're like, okay, just stop, just stop. How much is it? How much is it? It's always, how much is it? Well, we had some options, um, but because I've been in a lot of homes and I know money is a factor, mm -hmm. um, we could have done, when we finished, we wound up with 400 stories and it wasn't intention. The goal was 365, but when we finished, I said, count them and it was 400. Didn't plan it that way. There's just 400 stories in the three volumes. The set's three volumes. Um, we could have, because we had the stories written, we had the artwork, we had the questions, the review questions at the end, we could have done 400 individual little Bible storybooks like you see yeah. in all the stores. Think of, a, for those of us who are old enough, think of those golden books. You know, they used to be a like- A mega 60, set of golden books at 400 right. of them. Yeah. <laughs> 69 cents or 99 cents. Well, today, those are five bucks. Mm -hmm. And in some places, they're 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. If we take the $5 mark and we had made them individual little books you would have had this plethora you would have 400 you would have stacked this table a foot high in bible storybooks and you would have which would get lost all over your house too can i say as a mom well they get lost somebody borrows one you take one over to a friend's house for the sunday school and it never comes home so the collection is now struggling but and it's not organized if i said find me a story on courage find me a story oh on yeah. pouting find me a story on if you're a bible scholar you could do it but once they start getting disorganized and 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 mixed up nobody could do it it's not user friendly and at five dollars for the math majors out there at five dollars a story there's 400 stories you're looking at two thousand dollars plus tax plus shipping you're pushing 24 2500 dollars and a neighbor of mine who's a pastor he said <laughs> i'm out and I said, yeah, but you'd spend that much on a zero riding turn, zero turn lawnmower. And it got really quiet. I didn't mean to say it that way, that direct to him, but I said, we'll spend that much on a tool to go around, 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 around and mow the yard. Don't get me started on cell phones and what they cost a month and how much we put in. I mean, just do the math. If you're spending X a month times 12 months over 10 years and what's, what are we getting or a, 
our internet connection. What are you getting for that? I don't, let's not go down that rabbit trail, but a lot of parents go, well, if it's $2,000 or 25, I'm out. Yeah. I've knocked plenty of doors where it's Dr. Dennis country club lane, McMansion after McMansion, where if they could get their hands on 400 biblically accurate Bible stories with the scripture references, with accurate pictures, with review questions and all that in a heartbeat, they'd pay two, $4,000 in a heartbeat. And it, and it would be worth every penny. But the typical American home is not going to invest that much or cannot. Yeah. And so our last goal, Renee, was to make it to where anybody could afford it, even a single mom with three kids. And so the way you do that, that in the publishing world is binding on a book is what costs so much. By binding all these stories into three volumes, the set delivered anywhere in the U.S. is $249. That counts the shipping, it counts the tax. And so you say, well, that's that's not a little amount of money. No, 249 is not cheap, but the quality is there. This my son binding the Skyvertex cover, they're designed to last. And we're saving the family 85 to 90% off of buying them individually. But yeah. the beauty is they're organized with a topical index. So anyone that knows the alphabet, they can find any topic quickly. That's what one mom told me last year at a marriage retreat. She goes, Glenn, I've had these, bought these from you two years ago. And she said, what I like the most is my teenage kids. They, these topics pop up and that topical index is just helps us get right to the scripture. And so everybody's got a different favorite part. Um, we have a little over 17,000 testimonials mm -hmm, from customers do. right now. Um, they're not on Amazon. We've not gone down the Amazon rabbit trail. Um, everything's on our website, which is the same as- And the, I just did the math. That's only like 62, 63 cents a story, actually. So- Right. 62 and a half cents and you pay once and then you've got them forever. Yeah. Um, and it's and for your kids. Yeah. Because on those frugal moms, we'll have the frugal homeschooling moms will be like, well, I'll just go to Goodwill and I'll get them for a dollar. And I'm like, okay, what's $1 times 400 <laughs> plus tax. And now you've got chaos, a foot stack on the table. That's not user-friendly. And a lot of those pictures and aren't biblically accurate. accurate. And accuracy is so important. It's important with everyone, but I think, I don't know, with kids, it's just, they're learning. They don't have other resources. And it's really, really important that they hear something accurate, that well, they whatever see you, something accurate. A lot of these Bible storybooks, I remember one mega church pastor, when he saw them, I, I literally, I just opened the first volume to the table of contents. And when he realized there were 400 stories in the three volumes, he's like, Glenn, do you have these in the car? And I'm like, I didn't come here to sell you books. And he goes, I know that, but do you have them in the car? He said, look, I did not come here to sell you books. I just came to update you and show you what God had done. He's like, stop, Glenn. He said, we do family devotions in my house. Our book has 40 stories. Mm -hmm. He said, we have been over those 40 stories. He said, my wife's bored. I'm bored. My children are bored. He said, you're showing me four hundred stories he said do you have them in the car and i said yes there's some in my trunk he grabs his keys and he says my checkbooks in the truck follow me and we go ripping out of his office um we we wanted to make it very affordable but something that would help transform like you said something about um accuracy. Mm -hmm. I believe accuracy is important, but I really wasn't concerned about accuracy with you or your children or anything like that. The scariest thing about this whole project 
was I know, I knew and I know that I'm going to stand in front yeah. of our father and I'm going to give an account for handling his word. Mm -hmm. And that to me is terrifying. And so to this day, we've never had any Bible scholar or Sunday school teacher or mom or dad or anybody ever say, this is not what the Bible says, because our set is not like those other hundred books that we've collected that are what I call sanitized to sell to anybody, no matter what they believe. Our set actually is biblically correct. It, it's not politically correct. It's definitely not sanitized. Um, people be like, wait, did you cover the story of like JL? And I'm like, uh, you know, did you cover? And I'm like, it's the Bible. Um, and if there was a story in the Bible that only had two or three verses, we didn't touch it because we didn't have enough scripture to accurately put down 250 to 300 words. We would have had to made it up and didn't want to do that. Only, only stuck to the stories in the Bible that had enough scripture or multiple scriptures that you could put together to make sure that the story was, was biblically accurate, but we're having a ball, um, you know, and, and nothing. Well, when somebody comes to know the Lord or you see a life transform, but outside of that, when, when I meet the families or they write a letter and you might want to go on the website sometime and read a few of the testimonials. Um, and it's bibleandstories.com. Mm -hmm. right? It's just, okay. if you hold up, if you hold up the book, um, it's just those three words, bibleinstories.com. And there's videos there or interviews on Dr. Dobson's program. Um, hopefully Renee will give me permission to, to, to put this um, interview up sometime in the future. But yes, um, definitely. The format, the format is like that. The print is very large, but enough about the books. If you have any questions, they can feel free to contact us through the website. And I appreciate the plug for the Bible and stories. <laughs> well, it's, it's a plug because it's something that's very useful for family discipleship and discipling our kids is what we need to be doing. And that's what I'm passionate about. And, um, so well, it gives, gives folks it's a, a good track. resource and it's, it's it, nice to have something that you can pick up and go with. It just is, you know, I I've been talking about that. That's why I'm the new resources I'm coming out with are some pick up and go things, but it is whenever you're doing something that is about the Bible, it's you take it seriously. That's why I was with my book. That's why I had so many people read it because it's a big deal and you want it to be accurate. So thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and sharing your thank wisdom. You. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you haven't already, I hope that you will subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can visit my website trainingthemwisely.com. You can find extra resources and information there. And I have a link if you want to ever have me come speak. And also you can follow me on social media, Training Them Wisely is where you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook. So I have tips that I share each day about discipling your kids, verses, et cetera. So I would love to see you there as well.